How can we as healthcare practitioners move from just providing disease management to providing true healthcare? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast that helps you grow your practice and expand your skills as a practitioner. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for wellness-minded people and professionals who are passionate about transforming our broken disease management system into a true healthcare system. Today, I want to share some very valuable information about a special B vitamin with a few tricks up its sleeve and some surprising health benefits. So let's talk about niacin. Niacin is a B vitamin. It's actually vitamin B3. You may see it said as nicotinic acid, and there's a whole bunch of other names we'll talk about today and differentiate between them so you're no longer confused. As a professional, you may know some of these and not all, and you may not really know which form of niacin to prescribe or or recommend for somebody. And as a person trying to get your own health online, it's really hard to figure it out. So niacin, vitamin B3, it's an important part of energy production. It's part of the Krebs cycle in form of NAD, nicotinamine, adenine, dinucleotide, and NADP, nicotinamide, adenine, dinucleotide, phosphate. So NAD and NADP. Part of the Krebs cycle, that's taking glucose and oxygen and turning it into ATP. So super important to have good levels of niacin, right? And we want the specific forms that work well. Now, here's the thing. Niacin has some amazing benefits in terms of lipid management, in terms of keeping your cholesterol, your lipoproteins, all those things in order. That's a different form than what's needed inside the Krebs cycle. Although, let me just clarify that. The form that's helpful in heart disease and lipid management is very specific. The form in the Krebs cycle can be many different types. In fact, the form that you need for heart disease, which is pure niacin, nicotinic acid, flushing niacin, is a precursor to NAD and NADP. But it doesn't go the other way around. So if you take NAD, NADP, or inositol hexanicotinate, that's not going to convert to the flushing form that we need for the vasodilation effects that are helpful for controlling lipoproteins. So let's get into this, right? It's very, very, very confusing. And the average person doesn't know the difference. The average practitioner doesn't know the difference. And you'd be surprised at how many people I see come to see me that are taking niacin for heart disease, for lipoprotein control, but they're taking the wrong form because their practitioner didn't know. And it's easy to not know because there's so many variants here and there's so many implications here. So let me just state this right up front. The non-flushing niacin doesn't work for controlling lipids, lipoproteins, cholesterol, and keeping your heart healthy. So you really need to know that as a practitioner, helping people to get on the right form. People like to take the non-flushing form of niacin because they don't like the flush. And they start taking 2,500 milligrams, which is around the right dose for average person, some people less, some people more, for controlling lipids. But that's not going to work. You need to get the flush. 
And so people say, oh my God, I took 50 milligrams of niacin and it caused me to flush for hours. 50 milligrams doesn't cause most people to flush for hours. It's probably more like, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. But as you get the doses higher, it can cause that. I accidentally took a too high a dose of niacin recently. And what happened was I was flushed, I was itchy, and I was uncomfortable for several hours. So it's important to ramp it up. And I'm going to talk to you about the process. So stay tuned and listen in. So what is niacin? Vitamin B3. It's important for a lot of different functions in the body. It's important for mental function. It's important for energy production. It's important for lipoprotein management. It's a very important nutrient. And the average B, multi-B, B-complex might have somewhere in the realm of 50 milligrams of it, which is great, but it's not going to give you the therapeutic effect. Mind you, I'm talking therapeutic effect that's going to help you with keeping the lipids under control. Now, this is sometimes referred to as a drug in the realm of heart disease, in the realm of getting the lipids under control. It's not the same. It doesn't have anywhere near the same mechanisms as statins, but it has the mechanism of helping to bring down some of those lipoproteins that are dangerous to the system the LDLs, the low-density lipoproteins, the LP, lipoprotein, little a. Now, I have separate podcasts that go into massive detail about each of these types of lipoproteins. So you might want to go back and listen to those and then come back here and listen to how niacin can work to help keep this under control. So niacinamide is a non-flushing form. Nicotinic acid is a flushing form. When somebody says, I'm taking niacin, usually it means nicotinic acid and it's a flushing form. A lot of research went into developing a non-flushing form because compliance is very difficult for a vitamin that causes you to get you know, flushed and feel like you have a sunburn and feel itchy and feel that way for hours. So then there's inositol hexanicotinate, which is great for Krebs cycle support but doesn't work for lipoprotein help. And then NAD, uh, niacin adenosine dinucleotide, which is the active form in that Krebs cycle. So the vasodilatory effect, the flushing effect, is what we're looking for when we're trying to get the lipids under control, when we're trying to get the lipoproteins to lower. And some of the studies have been pretty amazing that if you take up to, and usually the doses are high when you're going to freak out when you hear these doses, but like 2,000 to 3,000, and for some people, even higher levels than that. But when you can take those levels of niacin, flushing niacin, that's when the magic happens. So you may be thinking, well, how the heck am I going to get people to take that if they're going to be flushing for hours and feeling miserable? It's the dosing. It's the starting low and slow, going slowly, building it up. It might take a month to get up to a decent dose and they need to be consistent. So it's one of those vitamins that's really hard to get people to take in the therapeutic doses. You can take it in the form, in enough form to get more Krebs cycle activity. You can take it to supply the body, the brain with some help with depression and neurotransmitters. And we'll talk about the mental health in, in just a moment, but to get the doses that you need to get the lipids under control, it could be very uncomfortable for people if you just say, 
oh, here's niacin, here's 500 milligrams, take it three times a day and start to build up. And that's what some of the articles on the internet will say. Oh, just start with, you know, 500 milligrams and build it up. You're not going to get good compliance. You're going to get a lot of people angry at you. So here's what I recommend. My recommendation is number one, you help them to get a powdered form of niacin. There's a number of companies out there where you can get it and make sure it's niacin, nicotinic acid. I have calculated and I have a chart and we'll include that with the show notes to show you exactly how much niacin is in the teaspoon, the eighth of a teaspoon, the 16th. And in fact, where I have people start is not an eighth of a teaspoon. It's more like a 16th or even a 32nd of a teaspoon. And they take a little bit and they go, oh, I didn't really flush from that. If you can get them to take it two to three times a day, even better, but at least two is great and take it with food. The flushing is going to be less when they take it with food. So they take it with their breakfast, whether they are an intermittent faster and do breakfast at noon or one or two or whatever, then they take it with their second meal. If they're only eating one meal a day, well, what are you going to do? You can either have them take it separately on an empty stomach, or you can just tell them to only take it once a day. You're going to have to decide it's going to be on a person by person basis. So they basically take a tiny bit of, bit of it day one, and they see how long it, they flush. If they don't flush at all, then they've got a tolerance to that level already, which is fine because if they've been taking a multivitamin, it may not make a difference. Then later that day, you have them take a second dose of that same amount. If neither one of those doses causes them to get uncomfortable or if it just causes a little bit of a flush that feels good for a few minutes and it goes away, great, you can up the dose the next day. But if they do have a problem and they go, whoa, that lasted 15, 20 minutes, and they said, I can't stand that, I, can't, I don't want to ever experience that again, then you have them lower the dose. If they say, yeah, it lasted for 15, 20 minutes, no big deal, great. Then the next day, you have them do that same dose again, or you instruct them to just increase it up a little bit, inch it up a little bit. And every day, you're inching it up a little bit at each of the doses. If at any point they start to say, oh my God, that was too much, you back off to the previous dose, you do that for a few days, and you increase. Here's the trick, and here's the kicker. If they stop doing it for any length of time, a day, two days, they're on vacation, they went away for the weekend, they're going to have to start backwards, right? They, depending on how long they take a break, let me tell you, I've done this. I had gotten up to like 250, 300 milligrams of it. And I stopped taking it for a couple of months. I forgot about it. And then what I did was I had to go back and start at the beginning again. So this is really great. I learned this. Where did I learn this from? I didn't make it up. I promise you I didn't make it up. I learned this from a book by Dr. Abraham Hoffer, who's known as a you know, holistic psychiatrist, integrative psychiatrist. He's been around the block for a long time. He's very famous. And he wrote a book called Niacin, the Real Story. I have the book on... Uh, Kindle, so I can actually look at all the protocols, and I have it on the audio, Audible, so I can listen to it, and I can, you know, really integrate some of his principles, and he talks about a lot of things related to niacin. This particular show here, we're going to focus on this particular aspect and a couple of others, and then we're going to do a whole series, maybe two or three or four. We'll see how long it takes to get all the information out that I want to get out on niacin. Here's one of the things that I thought was amazing. So, 
I started seeing people and they have Renaults and Renaults is where the hands get really cold and they turn white and blue and it's very uncomfortable to go out in the cold and they're especially miserable during the winter. And so I mentioned it to one person. I said, let's have you do a dose of niacin before you go out. Well, just doing a dose of niacin, I think she said it helped a little bit, but I think you need to just get up to higher, higher doses. It's not the kind of thing where you're doing it for lipids and you get up to 2,000. You're going to have to go higher than you normally go so that you get the vasodilation effect. And when you go outside, your fingers don't turn red to white to blue is what happens, red to white to blue. So she said, I think it helps a little bit, but you know, it's an N of one. So how much can you learn? So I've been working with somebody else and guiding her through ramping it up. And she's up to about 750 milligrams twice a day. So she's excited and her goal is to get up to the 2000 a day. Well, she said to me the other day, you know, she's not a client of mine. She's just one of my students in our nutritional endocrinology practitioner training. And she's amazing fitness coach. And I work out with her. And she said, you know what I think happened? I think my Renaults is getting better since I upped my niacin. Like, whoa, I love it. So she's going to keep track of it. And then if there's anybody else out there that you want to experiment with, with this Renaults concept, there's some evidence that it does it, but there's not been a really good study. But I really think that we're onto something here for people with Renaults. Problem is, guess what? It's compliance. So they have to be able to take the niacin and be willing to deal with the flush and decide which is worse, right? Their fingers turning white and blue and feeling horrible and feeling like they're going to fall off. I know people have to wear gloves with heaters in them or taking the niacin and getting the flush. So there's so many things. There was a study done on, I think it was 16,000 people on the effects of niacin on brain health. And I'll put this link into the show notes so you can read the whole article, but niacin and depression, right? They said every one milligram increase increased their mood and made them less depressed. Um, 16,098 adults. And they found the conclusion was moderate intake was best. Not super high doses, not super low doses. The RDA is 14 to 16, and maybe the, the dose was like in the 35 to 50 range. So this is something to keep in mind for your depressed people too. And Hoffer talks a lot about that in his book. Highly recommend the book. We'll put the citation for that in the show notes as well. And that was published in the BMC Psychiatry Journal. And the book, Nice in the Real Story, Abraham Hoffer. So this is my talk on niacin. I want to make sure you're aware of this as a therapeutic tool for people with elevated lipoprotein. So LDL, LP little a, lipoprotein little a, it's a very dense lipoprotein. So we think about LDLs as low density lipoprotein. It's more dense than that and more dangerous. And when they get stuck in the endothelial linings, they are more likely to burst out and cause problems with cardiac events, right? A heart attack, a stroke. So what we need to do is educate people about the use of niacin in helping this. So some of the studies out there showed 20 to 30% decrease in lipoprotein little a. And if you recall and go back and listen to my LPA episode, you're going to find that I talked about the fact that there are some things that can help it. I said niacin, I said ginkgo, vitamin C, there's other things. But that when somebody has the genetic tendency for LP, lipoprotein A, I have it unfortunately, and I have family people who have just dropped out of heart attacks. I don't want to take that chance. So 
I'm going back to my commitment to using the niacin. So 20 to 30% was kind of an average. There are some studies that showed 60 to 80% in some people. It's going to be variable, but the biggest problem, right, is compliance. So if you can get people who are so dedicated and they really nervous about their family history and they have the LPA genetic tendency, then maybe they'll do it. And if they do, they're going to get results. A lot of the people I've worked with, they start to get up there then, and then they travel and they forget to take it. And then we start from scratch again. So I don't have a lot of clinical studies to say, you know, how many people did it and how many people got the results, basically because it's hard. But it's definitely a therapeutic protocol that you should have in your back pocket. So I hear all the time, how do you get people to do it? Like I said, you start low you increase slowly, you let them do it to their tolerance. If they go up to 250 milligrams of it, it's uncomfortable, it's too long, you drop them back. And you always be willing to drop them back and advise them to drop it back. So it's really important that we have tools in our back pocket to help people to get health benefits, to get results, to get to the root cause of their issues without having to rely on dangerous drugs and surgical procedures and damaging their liver and all that. And we can do it, but we have to educate ourselves. That's why I do this podcast. So go back and the whole section on cardiovascular health. And we're going to do a whole another section on nutrients, clinical and therapeutic uses of nutrients. This is the future of healthcare. This is the future of medicine. And you can do it now. So go out and check out our other episodes at reinventhealthcare.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go to inemethod.com to learn about all the great trainings and all the great things that we have available to support health practitioners in building up the clinical skills they need to help people to truly get well. So thank you for being on this mission with me. And until next time... Shine on. Thanks for listening to Reinvent Healthcare. We are part of the movement to change healthcare for the better. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review. And for more resources to support you in growing a thriving and fulfilling practice, visit our website at inemethod.com.